Welcome to the Monday Morning Tearscast, the first, best, and only podcast about the Monday Morning Tears Fantasy Football League. <laughs> Once again, I'm your host, Daniel Kite, going this year by Kelsey Dagger, here to recap with y'all. Uh, a wild week of action that we had at the beginning of the football season. I'll run down the scores real quick that we saw and then introduce our guest for the week. So to lead off, at least on my fantasy page, uh, we have my matchup where Kelsey Dagger lost out to Charkwing Duck, Nick Pacheco, 117 to 106. We had Tony, the, the, the creatively named Tony, knocking off Mix On, Max Off, Danny's team, 126 to 90, a, a thorough thumping. Uh, we had two girlies, one OBJ, uh, knock off John's football team, the John football team, uh, 116 to 92. DeAndre Copkins, Kimbert's team, which I think I, I named that one, and I'm, I'm selfishly thinking that that's my favorite name, uh, knocked off Spittin' Llamas with Mikey, 115 to 108. Uh, threat level Breezy lost out in a close matchup to the bitches here, really living up to his name with the the lowest winning score of the week, winning 87 to uh, 79. And then we frowned out the week with all gay snow breaks. Victor's team also thumping Paul's team of criminals, 112 to 84. Uh, and this week I was we on the podcast, we have someone who has been messaging me all week, someone who's been fiery since the end of this week, and, and I feel like just is itching to get his thoughts out there on the record. He's been on the podcast numerous times before. We're welcoming back to the pod today the owner of Spitting Llamas, Mikey Campos. Mikey, how are you doing today? Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I've been sitting quietly uh, since the start of the draft uh, with my team and uh, wanting to discuss a lot about what's going on this year, this crazy COVID year. Uh, i got a lot to talk about, a lot to express, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, what we have to discuss today. Well, let's get right into it then. Let's uh, let's talk about your week one matchup that you had uh, against. Uh, remind, you were you lost out to Terras. So talk to me about that. Or, no, was it Terras? It was Kimbo. It was actually Kimbo. Kimbo. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So talk to me about uh, your matchup here. Was there anyone that you were uh, pleased with in your matchup? Anyone who exceeded your expectations, went below your expectations? Talk to me about what you saw. Uh, overall, even though I took the L on week one, uh, I don't really like first four weeks. I've learned not to really look at the wins or losses, just how your team performs overall. Uh, so you can evaluate what you should do for the rest of the season. Uh, so even though I took the loss, I'm pretty happy with my team's performance overall. Uh, I still put up 108 points without my number one wide receiver on the lineup. So, uh, it hasn't been, it was not too bad. Like uh, Stafford, you know, mediocre 16 points for me, but he was literally one uh, one drop away, DeAndre Swift away, uh, from actually getting the two touchdowns, 300-yard stat line, which would have been pretty good. Uh, Calvin Ridley literally exploded like what I drafted him to be, uh, 29 points, like over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Woods uh, drafted Woods to be my consistent player every week, and that's what exactly he gave me week one. Uh, even just throughout the board, you know, John Brown as my fifth receiver filling in and giving me a, a solid 16. The only, um, I wouldn't even say that this most disappointing was obviously Nick Chubb with five points, but I watched that game thoroughly and uh, to say I, I wasn't disappointed with it at all. The fact that uh, he still ran for six yards a carry, the game just got away from 
Cleveland altogether, and then he he just wasn't utilized because of game script. Uh, but we can talk about Nick Chubb a little later on. But overall, like I'm happy with it. Uh, his team just went off. Like Russell Wilson, Hopkins, and Thielen just went off, and and when they go off like that, it's a winning week for anyone. Um, so yeah, pretty content with how the uh, first week went with my team, even though it was a loss. Yeah, I think I think you've got a lot to be happy there with Calvin Ridley. There's a there was a lot of buzz kind of Calvin Ridley going into his third year could kind of step up and almost become Julio esque uh, with his production. And it, I mean the, the the Seahawks secondary is not what it used to be. They have Jamal Adams there, but Jamal Adams isn't really a great pass coverage guy. He's he's mainly a guy that kind of stops the run in the kind of first and second tiers. So I think there was a lot expected out of that game points wise. And, and, and it's great to see Ridley perform that way. Uh, and even, uh, yeah, I remember you, you mentioned that about Stafford, that, that Deandre drop was brutal. I remember what we, you, we saw, I think most of us were watching red zone. And if we saw that on red zone, uh, God, like that was just a, a, a gut wrencher. Cause that, that, I don't know if that wins the week for you, if that uh, pass is completed, but at least, brings you closer uh, to that if uh if that pass was completed i probably would have got about five points out of it which right. i still would have so been shy but south. Barely, yeah yeah but barely true enough um but, but yeah with ridley like i i was really i'm really i was really high on ridley this year just because i truly see like i i can call i'm gonna call it right now i told camille this is camille's a huge atlanta fan even though Jones is going to finish this year with a little bit more yardage and receptions than Ridley, Ridley will be the better fantasy, will end the year with more fantasy points because of the touchdowns. I really believe that Ridley will get uh, 12 to 1,300 yards and 12 touchdowns. Last year, he had 10 and 13, and I think he'll continue that with a shitty, hot, garbage defense. Ryans is going to be tossing it in the air every single week, which is going to give not only uh, Ridley but Julio a chance uh, to get those, those massive games. Yeah, I could absolutely see that. And yeah, I, I think another reason I wanted you on the pod too, because I think you and I can commiserate in our uh, butthurtness over this week, kind of being, uh, you know, the hard luck losers here, both of us scoring north of 100 points and then just getting knocked off by someone uh, who had more than that, which I, I again, I was, I was really upset because basically I, I would have won my week if Philadelphia didn't fall apart after the first quarter. Like things were going looking so good, and then it just fell off a cliff. I I was always I always worry about that Philly O line, especially with Lane Johnson. When I saw that he was out, that made me really nervous. Uh, so I, I guess I only have myself to blame. But I'm 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 happy that we can commiserate in a little bit of butt hurt here. Do you want to talk a little shit about uh, Kimbert's team? Do you think Do you think his success is sustainable moving forward? Uh, honestly, no. And the only reason why I say that, like. I, like when I looked at the matchup, I looked and looked up and down his lineup, and it was exactly what I thought it was gonna be. That he would have to rely heavily on a good game from Wilson, uh, from DeAndre Hopkins, and even from Thielen. Like I, I, I don't believe in Singletary this year. Uh, at best, he's gonna have 50-50 with Moss, and he's already lost the goal line work from him carry-ons in a, a trio committee in Detroit and like let's be real you just never want to grab a Lions running back like it's just it's always been a hot mess um but yeah he he completely won this week because of Wilson Hopkins and Thielen and I don't know if that's sustainable going forward just because in my opinion Thielen as great as he is uh I think 
losing digs only hurts him more than actually helps him. Uh, he's probably going to see double coverage a lot going forward. Um, even though they're probably going to be playing a lot of games, close games or from behind, I, I just don't see him sustaining, uh, you know, like two receiving touchdowns in over 100 yards every game. Uh, but Hopkins was very impressive. I, I was very surprised to see him get 14 receptions, which I think was a career high. Um, so if anything, kudos to him with that, because I believe he actually drafted him at a low price, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and if Hopkins plays and gels with Arizona the way he has in week one, like Hopkins can easily finish as the one or two uh, fantasy wideout this year, especially with uh, Thomas injured now. Um, yeah, Hopkins yeah. always felt like kind of the the wild card of those top wide receivers this year, just because with the lack of training camp and all that stuff, you always wonder if they if a, a new wide receiver can develop that kind of connection uh, with the new quarterback. But clearly, like Hopkins was the main target of Kyler Murray, and if Kyler Murray keeps playing like he did against a, quite a good San Francisco defense. Uh, which, I mean, they always play San Francisco hard, but if they can play other teams just that hard, th- that's going to be a, a dangerous connection there. That's going to be something for, for Kimber to look forward to, for sure. Great. And, I, like, I think, uh, just falling back on, like, that division er- uh, that division there, like, I think that's going to be the best division to see this year, like, between Arizona, which is probably looking to be a high-powered offense. Obviously, you got San Francisco in that defense. And then Seattle, if they do let uh, Wilson cook, um, that's going to be probably the best uh, division in football this year. Yeah, so it's shaping up to be. Uh, are there any other uh, shots you want to take or any other teams you want to look at uh, from the week that was in fantasy? Uh, just because we're in the same boat of we got losses by going north 100 points. Uh, just shout out to like the hot garbage Andre that literally won the week with the third least points uh, score. Um, just yeah, like you know, typical Andre fashion. You know, uh, trying to get uh, get a grind out and win out. Uh, that's about it uh, for week one. Um, you know, it's uh, yeah. for overall I think it was a high scoring week and and Andre somehow came out positive on that. Yeah, Andre really living up to his name with that, with basically the the bitchiest win that you could probably pull out uh, in a week one here. You know, looking at his roster, you know, he had, you know, the three probably big mainstays, Watson, Carson, and Andrews come up big, which I think those are guys that he'll have to rely on all season. Uh, But Connor going down with the injury early, I mean, you know, shocker, who could have seen that one coming? Uh, You know, that's... He started the two wide receivers in that Cincinnati uh, Chargers game, which was just a brutal game to watch. Uh, and, and there's not a lot going on on his bench either at this point. I mean, he's got Sanders, who will hopefully come back from injury, which I think will be helpful. Um, but, yeah, that's a, that's, that's a real bitchy win there. But, you know, at the end of the year, uh, you know, they, they, it's all about wins and losses. So he was able to get it there. I wanted to take a closer look at Tony's team for a second here. So I think last year, Tony's team struggled quite a bit, but had a really, really big week uh, coming into this with guys like with Julio, Josh Jacobs, and Darius Slayton all really going off there. Uh, I mean, Julio, we've come to expect that from uh, looking at maybe Josh Jacobs or Darius Slayton, or even the, the New Orleans defense that really picked on Brady and the Buccaneers. Do you think... Any of that, uh, which do you think is the most notable of those three performances? Uh, or is there another one in that list defense. there? 
Uh, to be honest, I'd probably say the New Orleans defense just because I wasn't expecting that. Um, and the only reason why I wasn't expecting that was because, you know, no preseason matches. This is week one. Uh, obviously, we didn't know what to expect uh, with that Tampa Bay offense. But I'm like, usually, typically, like, you know, the consensus against the on the experts that I've read up, at least, was with the no preseasons and no preseason snaps and going into week one, it would be like very favorable to offenses as you know, like defenses can make more mistakes are prone to it. Um, so just how solid and, and good, like the New Orleans defense played uh, against, you know, supposed to be a high powered offense um, was to me the most notable. Cause I'm pretty sure like the New Orleans defense in a fantasy perspective, like finished far beyond better than even the second best defense this week so i think that was really big no surprise with josh jacobs like obviously like the three rushing touchdowns he's not going to be getting all the time but i think like the biggest thing and the biggest positive with josh jacobs was the uh the targets in the air getting those receptions through the air that he was lacking last year and he 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 got some of that uh week one which is a very positive sign um yeah but like going forward for Tony's team, like I think there's a very big concern with it. Like obviously, the way he drafted was you know go hard in the paint and with the with the big names, and then go with like boomer bust or just shit guys at the end. Um, and losing Michael Thomas is going to severely hurt his team going forward. Um, as I'm sure most people know already, he has a high ankle sprain. And with high ankle sprains, it's usually a minimum four weeks. And if you look at the New, or- New Orleans Saints uh, schedule, their bye week is on week seven, or sorry, week six. So I really, really doubt he'll come back on the field before that. So the earliest I think you're going to see Thomas back on the field is week seven. So Tony's going to have to go pretty much the first half of the season now without his number one receiver. And the way his team's looking, that's going to be very difficult to do. Um, so if Tony can somehow scrap his way into the playoffs, he can be a dangerous playoff team going into it. But going, he's going to have uh, – it's going to be interesting to see how he manages his team going forward right now. I think you give, bring up a lot of good points there. As a counterpoint, though – there are his bench went off. It seems like the one dollar flyers that he took a risk on really seemed to have paid off for him. Uh, you know, Dallas Goddard was on his bench, granted, uh, but he put up a huge game. And and whenever the Eagles' uh, receivers start dropping, the tight ends always seem to eat, and that's Goddard there waiting for it. Darius Slayton looked like all the 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 kind of electric receiver that we saw last year. Uh, getting two touchdowns. Naeem Hines getting way more work rushing. And I, with Mac being uh, injured and put on the IR, he's he owns both uh, shares of that Indianapolis backfield and Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines, which I think gives him, you know, the, the, the rushing attack of one of the best offensive lines in the league. Now, will Indianapolis beat enough positive game scripts to get as much out of that as possible is an interesting question. But then you got Sammy Watkins as well, who is, uh, you know, showing that he's a part of that uh, KC explosive offense still. 
I, I'm I'm going to be really curious to see how Tony's team goes. I feel like there may be some kind of wild variations uh, throughout the weeks. There could be some real booms and some real bust weeks. Uh, but I think there's a decent foundation here uh, to to build on. And especially yeah. think about Jacobs, uh, you know, let's let's think about uh, let's let's shift gears a bit and kind of look back at the draft a bit. Uh, so we talked a little bit earlier about Jacobs and how he really was establishing himself as a bell cow. And after only going for sixty one dollars, that looks like it might be a bargain now. Uh, is there anyone else kind of looking back? into uh the draft that we just did that you think may have been undervalued someone that's gonna kind of be worth more than their owner paid for um yeah so like i i, I think josh jacobs is one of those guys like you mentioned and I, even though he went for 61 in, in my opinion is is still a little high just relative to how expensive running backs were going i think you're going to look back at the end of the season and josh jacobs is actually going to be a value um I know he is hurt, uh, but I do believe in Miles Sanders as well. And I think he, I, I can't remember, how much did he go for? I think he was pretty cheap as well. Sanders? I Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head. I can go take a quick look. But um, yeah, go ahead and say your piece on Sanders. Yeah, like uh, I, like the way, if Sanders can uh, contribute to the offense the way he did at the back half of last season, uh he can easily be in a top 10 right, uh, running back position. And I think the price that Andre got him for was pretty cheap uh, relative to his potential. Again, I, I could be wrong. Like, we haven't seen it yet. Um, we know his talent. Uh, we just haven't seen him on the field yet this season uh, just because he was hurt last week. Yeah. Uh, the, $54 Miles Sanders went for. Which, yeah, relative to the other running backs, like, that's, that's not too bad. Uh, yeah. The only other thing that I can uh, I can say is I, I still really think, even though it's not a running back, um, I, I still can't believe that Paul was able to scoop up Tyreek for $41. Um, and I think that can be seen to be a very big value uh, for him. Yeah, I know Paul and I talked about that uh, last week on the pod. But yeah, that, I think that's going to stand out. Cause that's you know, that's interesting that the market was set there because that's the same price that Kimbert paid for DeAndre Hopkins, too. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how all these wide receivers play out. If there's just going to be such a huge wide array of, of point scorers out there, because after this week, there were there were tons of high scoring wide receivers. So it'll be interesting to see how that value looks uh, going towards the end of the year. Uh, in, in a, on the other hand, let's let's look at the people that after one week look like uh, major overpays. And I'm just going to start out here looking at Le'Veon Bell. Uh, injury notwithstanding, even, uh, the, the $29 that were paid for Le'Veon Bell already looks to be probably three times more than it needed to be uh, just with the the tire fire that is the Jets' offense. Uh, shout out to Victor Bayada. And just how how abysmal... Uh, all of that looked, I, I can't help but feel like that $30 could have been spent somewhere much, much better. Oh, uh, I agree with you. Uh, like, at this point, like, just stay away from the Jets altogether. It doesn't matter who it is. Just stay away from it. Like, uh, that injury, if you haven't heard, apparently uh, on the play, Bell was grabbing his hamstring and he did come to the sideline and Gase literally told him, yeah, like, you can keep playing. And he went out and then just, again, like, totally, like, messed it up. 
And then only afterwards, like he said, he admitted he should have let him, he should have took him off immediately and not let him continue playing. Uh, so now he's uh, hurt his hamstring severely more than what it probably initially was. Um, so like, you know, it's already bad enough to see a uh, bell struggle in a, in a bad offense, you know, just like he did last year. And, and now with his injury, I, I would probably just write him off for the rest of the season, if, even if he does come back with the way that offense is. Um, right. And yeah, like for $29, like, you know, and when you look at back and you see how much like, you know, the David Johnsons and the, uh, even like Todd Gurley, like at that tier went for even cheaper, like it, it definitely is a big bust, uh, unfortunately. Um, and there's some other guys I would say that probably would fall into that category now too. And uh, I think one, uh, again, I'm a Ravens fan and I watched the game thoroughly and I don't remember how much Mark Ingram went, but I know he went into the mid twenties as well. Uh, but I really do feel that Mark Ingram's going to be a bust this year. Um, the only reason why I say that is there's just too many fouls, uh, too many mouths to feed in that offense, uh, especially with Lamar still, Lamar actually probably wants to throw more now, but it's really bad news when the first week of a season that there was no pre-game, uh, preseason snaps that you lose goal line touch to a rookie. And Dawkins looked amazing, uh, by the way. Uh, so Dawkins did easily, look really good. Yeah, so I can easily see going forward uh, Dawkins uh, taking more and more timeshare away from him and probably the goal line work. And then when you have somebody like Lamar that will be running it too, like, you're gonna you you especially you essentially drafted a running back that's gonna end up being a boomer bust based off if they can get a touchdown or not on a weekly basis. Um, so that was my fear of a, of a drafting a Mark Ingram, and from week one it kind of flourished over there with my thoughts on that. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, I, I'll as a a former Ingram owner, you know, he he finished I think as RB twelve last year. So if you can get a guy for twenty dollars. Uh, who who finished kind of as a low end RB one? I don't think that's the worst deal, but I I do think basically we saw the worst case scenario for Mark Ingram play out uh, this week, which was yeah seeing Dobbins get all that work, especially goal line work as well, uh, and definitely Dobbins will likely be out there getting pass catching work, which Ingram got a little bit of, but is definitely not what he's known for. So I do think that that is a a major worry. Uh, for uh, Ingram and especially and just Chris's team in general, because I, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, Chris, the, the, yeah, both those guys are owned by by Chris's team, uh, which is a team I was actually quite down on uh, after the draft. I, I didn't see a lot uh, of of value in that draft, so we'll we'll see if that plays out in the coming week. Uh, let's move on and look a little bit more at, uh, the waiver wire. So we're recording this on Wednesday. So the waiver wire ad- ads have already taken place. Benny Snell going for a whopping $71. Mikey, what do you, what do you think about that? Uh, to be honest, I don't get it. Um, like $71 is a lot of money to blow on one player, especially this early into the season. I guess you can say, well, you'll get more bang for your buck because you can play that player all season. Uh, but we've seen Benny Snell in action last year when Connor was down and he was a complete bust. Yeah, sure, you can say that uh, he looked a lot more faster, quicker, more agile, more speed. He just looked healthier and better uh, with his cuts. But you got to remember, they were playing against a shitty, hot, trash Giants defense. Like, you put anybody back there and the, the, like the Giants defense will make them look good. Um, 
And it's just a hot mess. Like, you don't know when Connor is going to be hurt, when he's going to play, if it's just a tweak. We saw it last season. He would play, then he would get hurt. You would get then put Snells in, or I forgot the other guy in the back that was in the Jalen Samuel. Yeah, Jalen Samuel was also a hot mess. Um, and I just think that, you know, like I, I said it in the group, like as long as Connor can put a helmet on, like Tomlin has a heart on for him. Like he's going to keep putting him out there. Uh, so I don't think that for $71, even for Fab money, you're going to actually end with the the value that you are thinking and projecting you would get from him. Um, I think that, you know, you saw the highest upside of what you would get last week with 19 touches over 100 yards against a shitty defense. Like, you're not going to get that week in, week out, even if Connor, um, if Connor was going to uh, be out for a while. Just at the end of the day, you, you know, volume could be king, but I, I just I wouldn't want to be a part of that backfield. I, I, I thought he would go for maybe like $40, $35, but I, I didn't project uh, 71 But it, it does make sense that two of the most, like, hot fire garbage teams to start the season would bid the most money for him. 100%. And you know what? It only makes me happier too. When I when I see the fab dollars going early and often, I know it's 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 my time to start making a trade. Uh so I'm I'm looking forward to to weaponizing those fab dollars again. Um I was also wanted to bring up Aaron Rodgers. Uh I, I we didn't get to see all the various bids that were on Aaron Rodgers I don't think. Uh but Chris really balled out and and paid $34 to get Aaron Rodgers off the waiver wire. Uh do you think that's fair value or do you think that's an overpay? Who's his, his who's his original quarterback? Do you know? Uh let me just pull that up real quick. I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh Drew Brees. Drew Brees. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it is a little bit too much. Like, uh, the only reason why I say that is, yes, Drew Brees had a, had a really bad week one. But, you know, it's Drew Brees. Like, in, in the course of his career, he has his ups and downs. But he's always going to be relatively consistent. Um, I think that's a little too much for Aaron Rodgers because as amazing of a week he had and a great start to the season, we have seen Aaron Rodgers the past two seasons just keep declining in his performance and play. And to me, I'm not buying week one Aaron Rodgers. I'm not buying that this is the resurgence of his career and and he's going to be doing this on a weekly basis. Like, this could potentially be the best week he has all season. Like, uh, and against, again, like a really, really depleted Viking secondary, they just exploited it. And there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to do that against the Vikings this year. And... I wouldn't buy him at that price. Like I dropped him. I could have played him week one. I dropped him primarily because I believe in Stafford and they both have the same bye week. Um, yeah, sure. You can bid on him as a good backup quarterback, but if he believes he's his starting going forward, he's going to have uh, a lot of frustration. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. I, I think this was probably, uh, even with Benny Snell, I, th- I can see the logic behind trying to dump all that fab on him. I think Rodgers, I, I mean, again, I haven't seen the bids, but I would be surprised if you couldn't have gotten Rodgers for $10 uh, with just the depth of QB out there uh, and everything available. And I, I don't really buy, yeah, the week one Rodgers either. I, I frankly made a, a rookie managing mistake this week by having Devonta Adams and Aaron Jones in my lineup and then playing the Minnesota defense as my defense. Just I just kind of set myself <laughs> up for failure with that one. And I, I wasn't thinking about it uh, too closely. Uh, but yeah, I watching I, Aaron Rodgers for the past couple of years has been 
I, again, that that offense under uh, the dude from St. Louis, I don't remember his name off the top of my head, the, the coach they have out there, but he just seems like a bit of a weirdo, doesn't seem to want to always utilize the best weapons that much. Uh, and Rodgers does not strike me as a guy who, at this point in his career, is a guy that I'd, I'd want to invest that much money, especially with Breeze. I mean, I don't really love Breeze either. I think he's probably... This is, if not his final year, one of his final two years, and I think we're going to start seeing some decline. Um, so I, I could kind of see an argument where uh, Rodgers would be maybe a 1A, 1B type of situation there. But yeah, I can't help but think that that's, uh, that, that's going to be an overpay that'll be regretted uh, later on in the year. Uh, as we start to bring things to a close here, Mikey, are there any kind of parting shots you want to take? Any kind of final thoughts or, or feelings? Any any matchups you want to look ahead to to, to next week? Uh, yeah. So before there's there's two matchups that I am intrigued at this week outside of my own, but just to start with my own real quick, uh, I actually think it's going to be a really close matchup with uh, Taraz here. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like I know we didn't really talk about Chubb much and uh, the worrisome of his week one performance, but I think that again it was just game scripted because uh, he and it was against one of the best run run defenses out there. Uh, I think Chubb will have a fine game in my team. I'm hoping that Galladay can can start. Um, I'm gonna put it out there like in a vote of confidence that. I believe I have the best trio wide receiver group in our league this year with Ooh, Galladay, with Galladay, Ridley, and Woods. I don't think there's a better trio out there. Um, even going a little bit deeper, once Samuel's healthy, to have a number one uh, wide receiver on a top team as my fourth receiver, um, there's some good depth there. Uh, so it's going to be a good matchup. I'm not going to say I hopefully I can get the W this week, but uh, it'll be a good matchup overall. The, but the match I'm primarily like uh, going to pay attention to is who's going to be the bigger dumpster fire this week? Is it going to be the bitches here mix on Max Off against two of the most um, prolific Just deplorable, <laughs> terrible human beings? Yeah, the two most prolific players in our league since the start. And who's going to have like a bigger dumpster fire? Like they're both struggling off the bat, primarily due to injuries. Um, it's going to be interesting to see Andre's team, like very worrisome. See Connor already hurt, uh, Carson, as well as Carson did last week. I would be very worried. The fact he only got six touches on a week that they were up by a lot of points. Um, I would be worried about that. Like, I wonder if they're trying to control him because of his injury or, or they're just not trying to look his way, but Carson did not get many snaps and not get many touches last week. And I'll be pretty worried about that. And we haven't seen what Sanders can do. And honestly, Andre doesn't have a great uh, great wide receiver line. Like, he has a lot of decent players, but no, nobody that can really stand out as a number one. Um, so it's going to be kind of interesting to watch these two play. I, I can kind of almost, I'm going to put a bet that this matchup is going to be the lowest scoring matchup of the week again. Yeah, another matchup I'm intrigued about is actually yours against uh, Tony's. And the reason why I am is because I want to see how, Tony's team does without Michael uh, Thomas now in it. Uh, so I'm pretty curious to see that. I will um, correct you there. I'm, I'm up against John this week, and Nick is up against Tony this week. Oh, okay. Sorry. My bad. So, yeah, uh, with Nick. Um, and I'm kind of curious also to see on Nick's side of the ball, his wide receivers. Uh, it, like, uh, A.J. Brown had a kind of quiet week one, and I want to see if he will bounce back. And uh, to see D.J. Shark as well. 
Uh, so I'm kind of curious about that. Um, and you know, what? I'm going to give a shout out to John. I'm like, uh, John has done pretty well so far as a rookie in the league. Uh, no rookie mistakes yet. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see how uh, how he's going to do. Um, and by I've, the way, uh, just John, uh, we got breaking news that Godwin is in concussion protocol. So I'll just pay attention and evaluate him uh, to see how he's going to do because you might not be able to play him this week. And we'll see some of your management skills to see what you do if that is the case. Uh, yeah. So shout out to that. I'm very excited by that because after Godwin, both Devonta Parker and Jarvis Landry on his bench are also questionable for Sunday. So we're seeing a lot of his wide receivers are, are looking like they're dropping, which makes me particularly happy. And I will not complain. Yeah, so it's almost the same as mine right now. Like, obviously, I knew Debo's on IR, uh, and I picked him up knowing that. Uh, but I was not expecting at the draft that Galladay would be hurt too. Uh, so I'm hoping Galladay will play. There's no news on it yet. But uh, today, this morning, it came that Brown, John Brown, didn't uh, practice either uh, today because of a, a foot injury, apparently. I hope it's just minor. Uh, so what I did uh, on the waiver wire late today uh, just because I heard of that news, um, which if let's say John Brown and Galladay both can't go, I'm going to be pretty like thin on wide receivers then. So I actually went and picked up uh, Mike Williams that was on the waivers. Uh, the interesting thing with Mike Williams is even though he might not look like a great guy right now to, to play, uh, he did get the high, a high team of nine targets in week one, which was really nice. And he seems pretty fully healthy from what I've seen in the game. Um, and going up against the KC team, that's going to obviously torch them. They're going to have to put it up in the air. And I think, you know, Mike Williams being the big body is, he, he has a chance to actually potentially be okay, like be okay this year in fantasy. Um, so, you know, I'm going to take a chance on him. Why not as my sixth receiver? So just to add a little bit more uh, depth into that, to, into the lineup. Yeah, I think that's a, a fair assessment there. Uh, well, with that, we'll we'll get ready to sign off here. Mikey Campos, thanks for being back on the pod. Always a pleasure to have you here. And uh, good luck in your matchup this week. Uh, my pleasure being on, and good luck to you and everyone else that's not named Andre or Danny. Um, and, yeah, let's, uh, let's keep the season rolling. All right, we'll be back here next week, breaking down week two's action and all. But until that time, keep crying, everybody. It definitely is a big bust.